together this morning. Thank you, Lord. Father, this morning we pray and ask that you will come into our midst and do what only God can do. Come and heal our pain. Come and heal our disappointments. Come and heal our hurts. Father, come and heal our diseases. Come and heal our disappointments. This morning we come boldly before the throne of grace knowing that thou art a merciful and a good God. We honor you that eternally your word is settled in heaven and that your word is life to those that find it. This morning, let your word be life unto us. Let your word restore. Let your word encourage. Let your word heal. And above all, Father, grant me grace that in clarity and in simplicity, I'll share your word this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, God's people will shout and say, Amen. Amen. Today, the future scientists and the future entrepreneurs and the future engineers and the future lawyers and the members of parliament and the future governors are staying with us in the service in the name of Jesus. Amen. As a church, we have themes that we follow. And in this quarter, the theme that we are looking at is based on the epistle of James. And what our son Peter beautifully read for us does not only introduce the theme of the book to us, but it gives us an outlook of how God in this generation desires of you and I as his children. James, who wrote the epistle, was a half-brother of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 55, it is clear, you know, uh, it is very important that when we study books like this, we take time to delve deep into the scriptures as to who is writing to us. So in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, the Bible says, is this not the carpenter's son? This is when his own people wouldn't, at Nazareth, wouldn't accept him. Listen to what he is saying. Let me start from verse 54. Now, when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get his wisdom and these mighty works? Then in verse 55, they said, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? You know, and the world will always try to explain who you are. They will try to dig into your past. 
is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Jones, uh, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Wow. So what they are saying are not his brothers known to us. So James, who wrote this epistle, is the half-brother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And interestingly, he did not believe in Jesus as Lord until after the resurrection, when the risen Savior appeared to him. And John's Gospel, chapter 5, also gives us this insight. John 7, 5 says, For even his brothers did not believe in him. Even his brothers did not believe in him. So that means that uh, uh, James, Joseph, Simon, and Jude, who were his half-brothers, did not believe in him. Understand that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary when the marriage had not been consummated. But after that, Mary went on to marry the husband, Joseph, as God had ordained for her. And these are his brothers. So this, so we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 7, 1 Corinthians 15, 7, Today we are doing two things. We are looking at the introduction of this book, looking at the background, and then we will move on as time will help us to look into a few um, teachings from this book. First Corinthians 15, 7, the Bible says, after that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. So James only believed in him after the resurrection. So James later became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. But you see, James writing to the churches that were scattered could have pulled rank by saying, I am James, the half-brother of Jesus, the one who was born when our mom was a virgin. James, the son of Virgin Mary, brother of no other than the miracle-working Jesus of Nazareth. I grew up with him. I knew him very well. And he was my half-brother. Instead, he writes and he says, James, chapter 1, Tell your neighbor it is well. He introduces his epistle by saying, James, a born servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. James sees himself not only as a servant of Jesus, but he sees himself as a bond servant of him. In other words, he is not trying to portray that. By fact, by the fact that he is my half-brother, he, I am his equal. He now discovers that he is the Lord of lords and the kings 
of Kings. Jude was also the half-brother of Jesus and in his epistle says the same thing. Tell your neighbor the Lord is faithful. So both of them opened their letters by calling themselves bond servants of Jesus Christ. They saw themselves as slaves of their master and Lord. And he wrote this letter to the 12 tribes of Israel who had been dispersed abroad. And the verse, verse 1 says, James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, definitely to the 12 tribes of Israel, who at this time had been dispersed or had been scattered all over the places. And at this time, they met only in synagogues because at that time the persecution had not started. And James' epistle is seen by many scholars as the first scriptures ever to be written, according to the church historian Josephus. And he was martyred by Emperor Nero in the year 62 AD. So word got to James that the Christians who had been dispersed abroad amongst the 12 tribes were in difficulties. And because of the challenges and the trials and the testings that they were facing, many of them were relapsing, not only into Judaism, but into all manner of Christianity that was not befitting people of the cross. So he develops, he writes, and in this episode develops several themes about a genuine Christian lifestyle. And in the four verses that were read to us, he emphasizes as a Christian how you and I must not only go through trials by exhibiting joy, but the joy and patience that we must exhibit in the midst of our trials. So he tells us that genuine faith is a tested faith. And that genuine faith manifests itself in good deeds. And this, James chapter 2 verse 18 is the key verse for the epistle of James. It is seen as the Proverbs of the New Testament because of the wisdom themes that are in it. It is also seen as the Amos of the New Testament because it, he tackles social inequalities and, and issues of injustice. A practical Christian guidebook which portrays Christ as a pattern. But the interesting thing about this episode is that for many, many, many theologians, they see it as a conflict because the Apostle Paul writes and says that we are justified by faith and not by works. But James writes and says that without works, not only is your faith dead, but without works, as a Christian, 
you are going nowhere. So therefore, many see it as a conflict. But there is no conflict there simply because while Paul emphasizes what happens within us when we come to know Christ, we, what Paul tries to say is that when we come to know Christ, we are justified by faith, not by works. But what James is also adding and teaching is that when we are justified by faith, in other words, when we are declared not guilty and become children of God by faith, it must be made evident by our lifestyle. So what James is trying to say is that you can't just say I'm a Christian and you live your life anyhow. What James is trying to say is that you can't say I'm a Christian, you can't say I have faith, and you see the poor, and you look down on them, you see other people and who are in need, and you do not make any attempt to help them when you are able. If that is the kind of Christianity you are living, James is saying that your faith is dead. Am I clear? So whereas Paul emphasizes what happens within us, James is teaching that a true faith in God will naturally be made manifest on the outside. Holy Ghost on the inside, working on the outside. So faith which does not work cannot be faith because by definition, faith must be manifested, manifested in the things that we do. And the purpose of his writing was not only to emphasize true Christianity, but also to let us understand that just as in our age where we are bombarded by a flood of extravagant adverts on TV and in magazines, during their time, there were so many forms of uh, faith that were coming up. And you and I, if we turn our television sets on, we see all kinds of adverts. And online, it is worse. We have so many cowboys who are putting out all kinds of advertisements online. And you and I have to be very careful before we engage anybody to come and do anything for us. We must make sure that person is registered and that that person has a right certificate. There are so many Ponzi deals. A Ponzi deal is somebody who tells you, give me 10 pounds, uh, give me 10,000 pounds. Every month, I will give you 1,000 pounds as profit. And you and I know that when you begin to hear things like that, you must be very careful. Ponzi deal. And too many countries have suffered because of such deals. 100% interest. Wow. Then nobody will work. We are told that there are exercising machines that will trim your size from 22 to 12 in 30 days. You just have to. <laughs> the, the most important thing in life is to be fit. Because there are those who naturally are bigger in size, but very fit. When we went to Israel, our tour guide, his name is Isa. My goodness. The belly is showing. 
But the guy is so fit that the pace at which he walked, very few people could catch up. So it is not necessarily about the size, about your size, but the question is, are you fit? Are you hearing me? Exercising machines that can trim your size from 22 to 12 in 30 days, you must be careful. We are told there are creams that can stop every form of aging and make your face look like the face of a baby. No matter how you polish it, age will catch up on all of us. It doesn't matter what you do to the hair. Whether you like it or not, age will catch up on you. Because that is life. Toothpaste that can clean and make your tooth whiter than snow. The question is, is that true? Drinks that can give you supernatural energy. Scams, deception, herbal medicines that can cure every disease, every sicknesses. But we soon discover that most of such things are only vain promises and that there is no substance. And you and I know the promises that our politicians make only for them to gain power and to discover that it is impossible. So cheap adverts has crept also in the 21st century into the church. That is why the epistle of James is of extreme importance. Seven ways to become a millionaire. Oh, really? Seven ways to become a billionaire. And seminars are held teaching people how you can prosper if you come to my church. Oh, really? The, the truth about money is that if God gives you a million and you do not apply wisdom and manage that money well, it will slip through your hands. That is why too many people win the lottery and in no time, they are back to square one. Why? Because they did not work for it. Number two, they never apply the wisdom that comes with finances. Tell your neighbor it is well. Recently, a minister in Zimbabwe advertised how to get rid of every form of ancestral curse and demon in your life. And you know what? He was giving them to drink a concussion. And they started fainting all over the place till there was an intervention. Come and say, minus me in the name of Jesus. There are those who will tell you, come to my church and all your problems will be solved. Jesus definitely will walk you through all your challenges and problems, but there are some things in life you have to go through them. And there are some things that God will instantly remove. But whichever way you look at it, as a child of God, life is such that there are some things you just have to go through them. And James is encouraging us that when those things come your way, you must endure them with joy. Today, fake Christianity has not only become the order of the day, but there are those who are preaching another Jesus. They are introducing another spirit. 
which has nothing to do with the gospel. Messages that only promote people's ego and they living at the expense of the congregation. So James' purpose is to expose hypocritical practices and teach right Christian behavior. And the proof, he says, of a real faith is manifested in a changed life which comes with our works. So his passionate desire is that his readers will be uncompromising and will become obedient to the word of God, will not only hear the word, but will also be doers of the word. And in this epistle, he uses three major words to bring his point across. He uses the word temptation, trials, and test. And when the Bible talks about temptation, you and I know that temptation is always from the devil. That is when the devil uses something that he knows you have an interest in. The devil will never test you, or sorry, tempt you in something that you don't like. If the devil knows that what you love is power, he will test you with power. If the devil knows that what you love is women, he will tempt you with women. If the devil knows that it is money, he will tempt you with money. After 40 days of fasting and prayer, the devil knew that naturally Jesus was hungry. No wonder. The first temptation was, if you are the son of God, command these stones to be turned into what? Into bread. He will only tempt you in the areas where he knows you are struggling. When we talk about trial, you and I must understand that trial is like a court case where there is an accusing counsel, where there is a judge, a jury, and a defender. But when it comes to biblical trials, the, the jury and the judge and the defense are on our behalf. Therefore, when you go through trials, you must count it as joy. And the third word that James uses here is the word test. And a test comes from God. You see, test is something that God deliberately throws your way and my way. Every test is from God. And it is a fair test and is based on the curriculum that he has given to you as a child of God. He will test you. And the essence of a test is to determine whether you've been learning from God or not. If you've been learning as a Christian, then when the test comes, you will pass the exam. Anybody here who has gone through a test before, show your hand. Everybody. If not, you are not a child of God. So what James is trying to teach us is that you and I as a people of God can turn trials into triumph. And I pray that this morning, you and I will understand that because tests are from God, because trials are ordained by God, regardless of what 
comes our way, we are able to turn them into triumphs in the name of Jesus. There is a bumper sticker which many Christians in California paste at the back of their car. And what it reads is that when life hands you a lemon, turn it into a lemonade. Instead of tasting that lemon and squeezing, and you know lemon is bitter, and, and squeezing your face with pain, what that sticker says, turn it into lemonade. And I pray that today, in the name of Jesus, may any trial, may any test over your life be turned into a lemonade with joy in the name of, turn it into lemonade and drink it with joy. And let the devil know that you are a child of God. Uh, understand that your promotion to the next level is determined by the way that you as a child will pass any test that comes your way. And understand, it determines where God wants to take you. The higher God has ordained your position to be, the, higher your, the bigger your Goliath. And you and I know that the tests that we go through are not the same. They differ. Now, I have gone through so many tests and trials in life that when the devil tries to initiate any and God allows it, I just start laughing because I know where it is coming from. Praise the Lord. And you will never go to the next level of your life. You will never go to the next level of your ministry. You will never go to the next level of your marriage. You will never go to the next level of your business if you fail to pass the test that comes your part as a child of God. You see, just as heat refines gold and removes impurities and causes the gold to glitter and to shine, so does trials and testings do with our lives. And as with Jewels, many people have great confidence in their faith until it is severely tested by hardships and disappointments. I don't know about you, but disappointments, I have seen many. 33 years in ministry, I have seen the good, I have seen the bad, and I have seen the ugly. But the good news is that the good are always more. And the good are always good because God is good in the name of Jesus. So how a person handles trouble and test will reveal whether his faith is a living or dead faith, whether it is genuine or whether it is an imitation or whether it is a saving faith. Through the Bible, we find people who turn defeat into victory and trial into triumph. Instead of becoming victims, they became victors. And one of such perfect persons is the patriarch Job. No matter what the trials may be on the outside or the temptations on the inside, through faith in Christ, you and I will experience the victory in the mighty name of Jesus. So, allow me to share with you Today and next Sundays, why God allows trials to come into our lives. Why will a loving God allow trials to come into 
our lives. Number one, it is to test the strength of our faith. God wants to trust you with so many things. There are higher heights where God wants to take you. So, God will not be able to trust you because if you are unable to pass the first test and start cursing people, if God gives you something bigger, you will kill everybody. Are you hearing? And one of the major reasons many churches never grow is that when the ministers are angry, they start cursing the congregation. You can never tell me you are a good minister till you are tested. Uh, and there are some people, the devil will send them, but God will allow them. To test the strength of your faith. James says that true faith responds with joy when it faces testings. Look at verse 2. My brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Another translation says, consider. Consider it joy. That means that think about it. Ponder over it. Regard something. In other words, weigh it and know that this test that is coming your way is not to destroy you, but for God to establish a testimony in your life. You see, you can't tell me you will receive a crown from God without a scar. Where are the wounds? Paul says we bear in our body the marks of Christ. You, you are a Christian. You invest yourself in people. They throw it back at your face. And you and I must know that no matter who you are, there are some things. Only heaven can defend you. There is no way you can defend yourself. A true story that happened in Africa. A city known as Kumasi. True story. A minister was so badly offended and hurt that it gave him a heart attack, but by God's grace, he didn't die through it. So at the hospital, the guy who was spreading the, 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 oh my word, so bad, the person almost collapsed his marriage. Almost. The wife packed the things and left. And all these were malicious lies. So at the hospital, the person now realizes his mistake and goes to the minister, kneels down, when he heard he was dying, to apologize. So you've come to apologize to me? When I confronted you, you said you were not the one. You mean to say, yes, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Anybody I have spoken to about you, I'll go back and make restitution. He said, really? So he raised his head and took his pillow. And then took a pen, loosened the pillow out, and then went and, and said to the guy, follow me. So he went to the window and emptied half of the feathers. You know, most 
uh, pillows are either cotton wool or feathers or whatever, and emptied half, which was blown away by the wind. And he says, if you genuinely want me to forgive you, go and collect every one of them. Then when you bring it back, I will forgive. He said, why? It's impossible. He said, that is how deep you have damaged me. And the truth is that, look, I'm standing here. They say I have built a five-star hotel. And unfortunately for the person, he said I had built that hotel in Kumasi. But there is no, maybe now there's one, isn't it? What's the name of that one? Golden, Golden Tulip. And it's for the Kuwaitis. I don't know them. But somebody was going around. Spread. When I heard it, I laughed. Why? Because checking my heart is not true. And number two, I have made a quality decision that when it comes to church finances, there is an abled team that handles the church money. So for me, two times, the inland revenue have come here to check our books. At one point, they checked it back to five years. How we bank the, man, the tithes and offerings that you give, how the monies are dispersed, how salaries, they checked, and for one year, they were investigating us. Took time, and for some of you, you might have received phone calls. But at the end of the day, they brought us a beautiful letter of encouragement and commendation. Hallelujah. Because if there is anything that guards Trinity Baptist Church, it is integrity and the fear of God. The point I'm trying to make is that as a child of God, James is teaching us that count a joy when you go through, when I started this teaching at TBC Accra, and I made another call. Almost half of the congregation came forward because people have been injured, not hurt, injured. And there are some people, the things they will say, it's like somebody, you know, and some words are like the piercing of a sword. You hear it, and if you are not careful, it's all the work of the enemy. But God has allowed it. And why God allows it is what we are looking at, to test the strength of your faith. How strong is your faith? How can God trust you with more? Trials are part of our calling and must not be a surprise. James does not say if you encounter, but he says when. So that means that whether you like it or not, it will come. He says when. When is different from if. When means that if it, is, it has not reared its head, it is only a matter of time. Peter wrote, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, and says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Ah, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery what? Trial, which is to try you as though some strange... Give me the NIV of the same verse, the NIV. Good. Dear friends, 
Do not be surprised at the what? Trial which you are what? Suffering as though something strange were happening to you. My goodness. You see, Peter can write like this maybe because he's an apostle. And this was a time when the churches in Asia Minor were going through difficult persecutions and trials. But he's saying to them, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. And this morning, the Lord is saying to somebody, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. Don't see it to be strange. See it as part of your calling in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that we must through many trials enter into the kingdom of heaven. But understand that the rejection of man is a selection of God. And that the demotion of man is a promotion of God. There are times when heaven becomes silent. There are times when your prayer is as if it is hitting the wall. When all those things start to happen, know that there is an eye that is watching over you. Amen. You must know that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself, in John's gospel when his friend Lazarus died, did not rebuke Mary and Martha for crying. What did he do? He wept with them. And there are some of the trials you have to, they aside the number of times I have wept. Oh, weeping. But the good news is that it may endure for a night, but joy comes in the, hallelujah, weeping. At times you hear some things, you have to laugh, and at the same time you have to weep. You have to weep <laughs> to let the pain out. And you have to laugh to strengthen yourself. Pastor he says, with one hand, I hold the microphone. With the other hand, I take my handkerchief and I wipe my tears. Test. When Jesus himself, and today I'll talk about just this one, and then we'll continue next Sunday, God willing. When Jesus himself faced the cross at Calvary, the Bible says he did so with loud crying and tears. Hebrews 5, 7, quickly. Hebrews 5, 7, and 8. Put it on the screen for me. Who, in the days of his flesh, talking about when Jesus was, became a man and a servant, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was hurt because of his godly fear. Give me the NIV. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was hurt because of his reverent submission. Jesus himself, when he was going through the tough 
tests and trials. The Bible says that when he was a man, he offered up prayers and petitions with cries and tears. So much so that in the garden of Gethsemane, God had to send an angel to strengthen him. Luke 22, 43. I want you to know that in the midst of your trials, trust God, he will strengthen you. May the angel of the Lord come and strengthen you in your trials in the name of Jesus. And in Hebrew 5 and 8, the NIV, Hebrew 5, 8. An angel from heaven. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Even though a son, Jesus had to learn obedience from the things that he suffered. What this verse is trying to teach you and I is that Jesus learned by experience the cause of faithful obedience in a corrupt world. Listen, beloved, we live in a corrupt world. We live in an age where people are ungrateful. We live in an age where people are unkind. We live in an age where we are heading towards the end times. We live in an age where people are unfaithful. And if you have made a quality decision to walk with Christ, please understand that trials will be part of your life in the mighty name of Jesus. But I stand here also to declare that in the midst of those trials, the hand of the Lord will redeem you in the mighty name of Jesus. Shall we pray together? Father, this morning, I honor you for the faithfulness and the truth of your word. I pray that your hand of mercy will be strong over your people. That in their difficulties and testings, that your hand of redemption will deliver them. We give you the honor. We give you the glory. Strengthen the hand of your people in the midst of their trials. In the mighty name of Jesus, God's people will